All right. Well, good morning, EHC community. I hope you're doing well and hope that everything that you're facing and everything that you've been facing over the last couple of weeks and even now getting into more than a month, I hope all of this has brought you closer to the Lord and to those things that are most important in your life. Probably not really things at all, but the people that are most important in your life. And I know that uh, as Eric prayed just a little bit ago and as he kind of brought to us, there is a difficulty that some of the people that are a part of our church community are dealing with because they are people that are ultimately on the front line. So remember them in your prayers and anytime your mind wanders back to them, I encourage you just to say a prayer for them. And we definitely don't want to make light in any way of what they're dealing with or what we are dealing with as a world. But I've been trying over the last couple of weeks to try to make sure that you and I can have an opportunity to say something that kind of brings a little bit of joy back into our lives because truth be told, especially if you're one of those folks that sits in front of the TV all day and does nothing but watch news from morning till night, it can be a pretty depressing place out there. And so I've been trying over the last couple of weeks to kind of share some things that'll bring a smile to your face and I'm going to do that with you in just a moment. But first, let me just kind of share a couple of quick announcements. I know that Eric has already mentioned those, but let me just say, I appreciate the opportunity to hear from you, to see your comments uh, on the uh, live stream. I encourage you to reach out on the live stream, say a little word, put it in a comment. Be nice now, be nice, but do say something there and just make sure that you're chiming in as you're watching the live stream. There's something powerful about just knowing that what we're facing, we're not facing alone. And so as we're looking at you guys out there and looking through this camera into your living room, we can't really see you, but we do know that you're out there, that you're watching. And as I've texted with some of you, it's been so encouraging to hear from you that you've been encouraged that you are still a part of this church body, this church community, and being reminded that this church is not the building that we're not meeting in right now, but it is made up of the people. And I hope you're even tuning in a little early on our live stream to make sure that you're looking at the pictures that are going out. And some of you guys have shared your pictures. I told you I'd be sharing some of those on the live stream, and I definitely did that. So I hope you're enjoying that and doing that. Let me just mention again that virtual gap card because we will be praying for you. And we have some needs that we're gonna be sharing over the next couple of days with our gap team. And so if you would like your needs to be shared anonymously or not, send that in to us. And let me just clarify something. Now, I don't know if you know much about Eric. Uh, Eric is my right-hand man, and I tell you, he is a great guy, but he, he tried to do something to you today, and I want to clarify what he did. He said that tomorrow's Zoom meeting was actually the Bible study I'm teaching. I want you to know what's really going on. What really is going on, don't be fooled, Eric is a financial peace guy to the very core of his being. And tomorrow actually is going to be financial peace. Kim Potts and Eric are going to be leading their own class. I'm not going to be on that stream. That will be a Zoom meeting that you can participate in. And you can actually do that for free for one more week this coming Monday night at 715. Is that right? Is that right? Okay. 
It's 6.30. Okay, well, I just wanted to make sure. But the Zoom meeting that I'm going to be teaching will actually be on Wednesday at 7.15. So just want to make sure that we're clarifying that. And don't let him fool you. He just wants you to go to his class and be there for the financial piece. But I encourage you to be a part of that. Even if you're not a part of our regular fellowship, you can be there tomorrow. Try it out one week for free and see some of those principles that can literally change your life and change the legacy and the direction of your life for your kids. So I encourage you to be there. All right. So let me just check out a couple of these. I I shared with you last week, the El Arroyo uh, sign in Austin, Texas. There's a place that has uh, it's a Mexican food place. And we all know that God's favorite food and the food that's actually going to be served at the wedding supper of the lamb is Mexican food. That's the truth. I'm sorry. It's in my Bible. I'm you can trust me. I'm a preacher, but you can check out the El Arroyo signs. And this is the kind of stuff that you'll see is South by Southwest one of Kim Kardashian's kids. (laughs) So if you get that, you understand kind of the vibe that's happening at El Arroyo. And yeah, South by Southwest was canceled this uh, year, but definitely check out El Arroyo's sign. Let's check out the next one. This one has to do, what a day, nothing happened and I still was tired. I don't know if you've had that experience or not, but you get up and you don't really do anything or go anywhere or accomplish much except for just a handful of things, but still at the end of the day, you're still really tired, so you can appreciate that. Let's check out this next one. If Britney Spears can get through 2007, you can get through to today. So I just wanted you to know, just be encouraged. If Britney made it through 2007, and she did, with her shaved head and all of the other craziness that was going on, you can get through today. You're going to be all right. All right, and then let's check out this next one. This too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass. So there might be some pain involved, but I want you to know that God is with you, that God is going to bring you through, and God is going to be here. So today, as we kind of get off into the Bible study, as we speak about John chapter 14, I want to just mention where we've been and kind of the basis for what's been shared over the last handful of weeks. You've probably seen a handful of these uh, live streams, so you know that we had already set in motion that we were going to be talking about, who do you think I am, Jesus in his own words. And as we talked about that and planned that, we realized that God knew what was coming, and when he led us in this direction, there was a reason for that. And so I didn't want to change everything. I didn't want to go in a totally different direction. I wanted to stay with that. And the farther and the longer we've gone into this study, the more I realize what God is doing in our world is speaking to us through the I am's and how he provides our every need. And today we're going to be talking about the last I am that we'll be addressing. And let me just share with you kind of where we've been. There's a quick list that we'll just kind to run through the where we've been. We talked about the bread of life on the 15th. We talked about, I am the light of the world. We talked about before Abraham was, I am. We spoke about how he was the good shepherd. And then on Easter Sunday on the 12th, I spoke about the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. And then last week, Peter Robinson did an awesome job sharing about the true vine from John chapter 15. And today, I'm going to be speaking about I am the way, the truth, and the life from John chapter 14. So let me just share with you, if you know already, you can just kind of humor me, but 
this all peels back and recalls to all of those Jewish hearers when Jesus spoke that he was speaking in the way that God spoke to Moses through the burning bush. You can go all the way back and look in Exodus chapter three and whenever God speaks to Moses, Moses says, well, what if they don't believe me? And what if I try to tell them this is God that sent me and you say, you know, who am I going to say sent me? And so God speaks to Moses and he says, tell them I am who I am has sent you. And so it is a way of just expressing that God always has been and always will be. There is a pre-existence and an eternal existence of God that never has changed. He's always been, always will be, and he is just as present in our present as he ever has been. And so he is the one who always remains. And this I am, this I am set and construct in the grammatical things that we're looking at It was so important and so vital to the Jews that they would not allow people to speak the I am off of the temple grounds, the the Yahweh, the name of God himself, the personal name of God. And so he would not even be able to speak that if you were a Jew who honored God. You could not even speak about that off of the temple grounds. That's how holy and sacred it was. And so because of that, when Jesus said to people, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection and the life, before Abraham was, I am. These all were blasphemies unless he was God's son and co-equal with God. And that is who he is, that is who he was, and that is who he always will be. But they did not grasp that or understand that. And as we share today, I want to talk a little bit about this passage of scripture from John chapter 14. And in the process of that, I want you to understand something. And that thing that I want you to grasp is, is that God has not left you alone. In this passage of scripture, God is about to leave this world and he's leaving his disciples and his followers behind. But in the midst of it all, God very clearly wants us to know that he is still with us no matter what. In this passage of scripture, a little further down than what Eric read, you will see that he promises, I'm going to go away from this place, but when I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate to be with you and in you as the one who leads you into all truth. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that a little later in the message, but just grasp and understand and know that as God's son spoke to the disciples, there is still his word that reaches out to us. And if you today are tuning in, I don't know how much longer I'll be able to have you. I, hopefully you will stay for the entire message, but here's what I want to make sure that you hear. God is in the midst of what's going on in this world. Now, I'm not going to say God caused this, God chooses this. I'm not saying any of those things. Some of those things are way above our ability to know. I know there are people that would love to declare, I know this, this is what I know, I believe, all of that stuff. I'm not doing any of that. Here's what I'm telling you. From one of you guys texting me, you said this, there is a message in the midst of the mess. And I love that. There is a message from God in the midst of all of the mess that's going on in our world. And so if you are a person who only sees the mess, can I encourage you today? Listen for the message. 
Because I know that people are losing their jobs and losing businesses. I know that people, most importantly, are losing their lives. This is not something that has escaped any corner of our world. But in the midst of it all, you know as well as I do that there have been changes in our lives and changes in our hearts and our mindsets that we can take advantage of. We may as well bring some silver lining out of this. And so I encourage you to listen for God's message in the midst of all of the mess that's happening. And in the midst of it all, as Jesus was about to leave, he said, I want you to understand by knowing me, you can know peace. And so I, I, I want to share a quick movie that was just something that spoke to my heart. I think it'll be a blessing to you. We're going to check out this movie and then we'll continue with our message. Let's check out the movie. Amen. He is our rest and our peace and our home. You know, I don't know if you guys ever had this experience, but when I was very young, one of the first times I remember staying over at someone else's house, I came home and I said something that was kind of funny knowing what I know now. I came home and I told my, my family, I said, their house smells funny. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience where you go into somebody's house and their house just smells different than your house? And I did not even grasp or understand when I was so young that they came into my house and thought my house smelled funny, which it didn't. It didn't even have a smell at all, right? Because our house is our home. That's where we spend our time. That's where we, you know, just think everything that happens there is kind of the norm and the usual that's going on in the world. And, and it's just funny when you start using the concept and the idea of home, as a matter of fact, if you talk about home, there are things that are kind of in our world that you almost know. When you say, we want to finance your home, you could probably see a, an image or a picture, something similar to this. And it's, 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 it's like this shorthand, it's like this caricature, not a real home, but it stands for home. And you probably have seen something like this or maybe even like the next picture that I put up. And it's, it's fake. It's very clearly a fake home because that's not home for you. Home for you may have been an apartment or it may have been a, a trailer or it may have been a place where it was very, very nice or it may have been a very, very humble place, a rundown place. I don't know what you experienced in your home, but when I say home, this is, I think, what many people would like to pretend, this next slide that we're seeing here. This is home. No, that doesn't even look like a home I want to live in. I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It is a beautiful home. But that home doesn't contain my parents. It doesn't hold my three girls and my wife. That's not my home because it doesn't smell like my house the food that gets cooked in that kitchen is not the same stuff that I grew up on. That house does not hold memories for me the way that my home does. And I know that some of you, you might have been an army brat or something like that where you moved around all over the world or even all over the country. But there is a concept of home that we have here and even here. 
It's a place that our heart feels safe and our heart feels comfortable. It's in our memories, but it's also here, deeply rooted in our feelings. Now, I don't know if you, you, you caught earlier that I'm a big Mexican food fan. And by the way, Mexican food is the best food in the world. I just want y'all to know that. And if you don't agree with me, just text me. Text me later when I'm not preaching, going to get me distracted. But text me because I will prove to you that it is the best food out there. And I'll do it. I'm telling you, I will. So text me. But check this out. This is what Thanksgiving dinner looks like in my family. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. This, you're gonna think I'm a communist when I say this, but I don't like pumpkin pie, all right? I don't like pumpkin pie. And I can tolerate turkey if it's smoked or if it's fried. I love the way that we fry turkeys around here. But for the most part, turkey and stuffing and all of these things are not things that I look forward to eating. As a matter of fact, I eat them about once a year and that's about it. But here is maybe what you see. Let's go to this next slide. Check this out. If you see our next slide, uh, we show this often during our time together around uh, International Sunday because the truth is, is that we come from a very diverse group and we have International Sunday around here in October. And so when we do, we ask you to bring what speaks to home for you. And so you probably have a couple of different feasts. This is what the holidays look like at your house if you're from Mexico or maybe from Central America, or check to this next slide. Maybe you're Asian in background, and this is what feasts look like at your house. This is the holidays to you, not that turkey that I put up there earlier. But isn't it interesting how every single one of us has a different concept and idea of home? But here is the truth. We all have within our hearts a need to be loved accepted and belong. And when Jesus is about to leave this world, everything is about to change for his disciples. But he goes way out of his way to bring comfort and peace into them. And this is what he says. And if you'll just kind of bear with me, I memorized this when I was a kid. And I'll tell you how that used to play into my life a little later on. But I memorized this as a kid from the King James Version, so I may kind of fall back into that. But the Bible says, Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house were many mansions. But I want to hit pause real quickly and tell you that the word mansions is something that the King James Version uses, but the more accurate translation is actually rooms. In other words, Jesus was saying, I have a father's house and there's rooms there. So we're not going to each have our separate mansions. We're going to live under the same roof and you are going to have a room that will be next to my room and next to his room and that we will all be together in God's house and we will all feel at home. Maybe today, you've never felt at home. Maybe today, in the midst of what we're dealing with, it's brought something out, this fear and this uncertainty in you because you've never really felt accepted. 
you've never felt like you belong and you've never found a place where you're safe enough to call it home. I'm here to tell you that if that is true for you, you have a, a, a heavenly father and a savior who is going to prepare a place for you and it will be your eternal and forever home. But I want you to know that it's not just a place in the future, that ultimately Jesus is our home, that you belong because he loves you and brings you into the family. You belong for that reason. He is your home. And so understand that as he speaks to his disciples and says, trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, what I have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm gonna come again to receive you to myself that where I am, there you can be also. And then Thomas speaks up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we possibly know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, let me just share with you, this is hearkening into something that you would see and understand as a Jew that you and I probably don't understand in our modern world. You see, back then, oftentimes whenever a, a, a young man or a young woman and their families got together in an arranged marriage, they would pledge to join their families together. And then after that public declaration, they would begin the betrothal period. But during that betrothal period, the man would go away and he would go and build with his own two hands oftentimes a home where he eventually would take his bride to go and live with him for the rest of their lives. Can you already see what Jesus is speaking? He has called his body, his church, his bride, the bride of Christ, the body universal of the church, he has gone to prepare a place for us to live with him. And if he goes away to prepare it, he's gonna come back, take us along with him so that we will forever be in his presence and we will forever be at rest and we will forever be home, home. Home like you and I have never experienced it before. Home in a way that we wish we knew, but we haven't yet. Even the best home is not always home, but that place will be perfect and perfectly suited for you and for me. It is going to be our ultimate, eternal, and forever home. This is the place where I have many people that are waiting for me to come and rejoin them. That will be a place of great reunion and incredible, incredible joy. And those places that we understand where someone has left this world and yet gone to be with Christ himself. Now, don't miss this. Don't, don't miss this at all. Jesus speaks to his disciples knowing his crucifixion is gonna leave them shaken because of things they will experience or things that they assumed about him. And I'm gonna click through a bunch of these and I'm also gonna share with you the something to learn today. So let's click through these really, really quickly. 
Let's go to this first slide and understand that Judas, one of their very own, was about to betray him. If you look in John chapter 13, 21 and 22, Jesus is troubled and testifies very truly, one of you is going to betray me. And his disciples stared at each other at a loss to know which one he meant. This is really enlightening and really interesting that that tells us very clearly that what we have always been told that everybody knew Judas was a bad guy and Judas was clearly the one who was over there, had the, the dark look to him and kind of slunk around in the shadows. That's not the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that somebody they assumed to be just like them was about to betray Jesus and it was going to hit them like a blindside punch and it would hit them squarely. And let's go to this next one. Very clearly, the disciples had already left everything to follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, Peter answers, says, Lord, we've left everything so that we could follow you. And some of them had successful businesses. Some of them left family never to be accepted in that circle again because they had left all to follow Jesus. And in the midst of it all, they've left it all to follow Jesus. And so they're out on a limb and suddenly Jesus is talking very clearly to them that I am about to go away. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? Go away. Where does this come from? And where are you going to go? We don't understand. Let's go to this next slide here. And as we look at this next slide, this is our something to learn. The word Christ or Christos in Greek and Messiah, they basically have the same meaning in both Greek and Hebrew. The Jews always believed in the Messiah's earthly reign. So just imagine, we, we try to kind of get a grasp on how his disciples did not understand how Jesus kept saying, well, I'm going to go away. Well, they didn't get it. And they kept thinking that this was going to be an earthly kingdom. They believed that even up until the very end of his life. But here's the problem for us, that the Christ or the Messiah was always going to have an earthly reign in their mind. And it had always been taught to them since they were this small. One of these days, God's going to send a man and he will be prophet, priest, and king, just like King David. He's going to be the personification of God himself and he will lead our country in a way that it's never been led before. He is going to be called the Messiah or in Greek, the word is Christ. So even when they were calling him Jesus Christ, they were basically saying, Jesus, the Messiah. And all of them had been taught from a very young age that the Messiah meant an earthly reign. And we know now, and we understand in hindsight, and we as a bunch of Gentiles, not members of the Jewish family and the Jewish nation, we understood that the Messiah came so that spiritually he could set up a kingdom that will one day become an earthly and a physical kingdom. But this is what they did not understand. Let's go to this next slide and just grasp this, okay? Jesus was not an earthly king after all. And look at this, it's Matthew chapter 20. This is late in Jesus's life. The mother of Zebedee's sons, that's James and John. He, they come to Jesus and they say, we've got a favor. When you come into your kingdom, can we each one sit one on the right, one on the left? We'll let you choose, you know, because we're not wanting to overstep our bounds. And Jesus is like, you don't even understand what you're asking. Can you follow what I'm about to lead into? They're like, yeah, of course, no problem at all. They don't grasp that he's not an earthly king. And it's late, late, late in Jesus's life. Let's go to the next slide here. And then we see and grasp that Jesus, their leader, is telling them that he's leaving. He's about to die. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, what I have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back. The, the long and short of this is Jesus, who's been with them for every single day for the last three or three and a half years, is telling them, I'm about to leave. He's about to leave in the most permanent way possible. And that is, is that he's going to lay down his life and they don't grasp it. But then even after they know that he has been resurrected, just grasp and understand that these men who have left all to follow Jesus still have to figure out, okay, so what does it look like? Because Jesus is dead. So who is our leader now? Because Jesus has gone into heaven, but we don't have a leader among us. And so let this understand from John chapter 21, verses 2 and 3, Simon Peter, and I'm going to count this off for you, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the two sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were going out together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll all go with you. There are 11 disciples left because Judas has turned his back and committed suicide after betraying Christ. So there's seven of the 11 and many of them were fishermen. And when Simon Peter says, I'm going out to fish, he's not saying, I'm gonna go throw a line in the water. I'm gonna just kick back and enjoy myself and get some rest and relaxation. No, he's like, I'm thinking about going back to my old way of life. And there's seven of the 11 that are saying, We'll go with you because now what? Here's what's so beautiful that we must understand that as Jesus is leaving, he understands his people. He understands that we need to feel safe, that we need that security, that we need leadership and that we need him to help us understand. But here is this big idea that you and I have to grasp. Jesus alone redeems our past and promises for us a present and a future. I'm gonna say it one more time so you make sure and get it. Jesus redeems our past. He promises both our present and our future that is yet to come. Let me just say and understand, let's be clear about what Jesus is saying. I'm gonna hit these quickly and we're gonna keep it moving. So let's check this out here. What is Jesus saying don't miss it. The phrase, the world, is something that Jesus constantly refers to, and he is constantly talking about it. And when he is talking about the world, it is still important to him what is going on in this world. It's not just some spiritual thing. So let's talk about what Jesus was saying, the very first thing that Jesus is saying Everything around may be shaken, but knowing Jesus allows us to be at rest in the midst of it all. Can, can you see where I'm going with this? Can you see why this is just as relevant to us today in dealing with all that we're dealing with as it was to the disciples on the day that Jesus says, I'm gonna be going away. Here is the truth. Knowing Jesus is the one who brings us. There's three passages that I want you to make sure and catch. Three passages that I want you to see. In 1425, all this I have spoken while I'm still with you. And you can see 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And then in chapter 17, verse 13, I say these things while I am in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Jesus didn't have to say these things out loud, but he chose to do it so his own disciples would hear that he's worried about what you're worried about. Not, not the same way. I mean, he's not up there wringing his hands and going, oh, now what? Boy, I didn't see that coming. That's not God. That's not our Lord and Savior. He knows what you need, but it touches his heart if it touches yours. And I'm going to just say something to you very quickly. Understand this, that you may think it's silly and simple and foolish, and it's not even something to bother God with. But can I tell you as a father who is so, so, so far below what my heavenly father is for me, this is a truth. If it bothers my kids, it bothers me. Now, I may understand it more than they do. I may have a different perspective because I'm older, but here's the truth. If it bothers my kids, it bothers me. And if I understand that as a dad who is way, 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 way below what our heavenly father is and feels for you and I, then I promise you, he cares about you, no matter how small it may be in your own eyes. Now, very quickly, what is Jesus saying? The second thing, I want to just share this with you, and, and I do this. Jesus makes it clear that both he and the Father want us living in his house forever. I, I had a, an interesting conversation, and this is something that I occasionally do have to talk with different ones about, and I want to be very clear uh, I cannot and I will not ever say what I believe is exactly what God believes because the truth of the matter is, is he's God and his ways are higher than mine and what my understanding may be is far below his. But I had a conversation with someone this past week and maybe that someone might even be watching today. And in that conversation, I had the question asked me that often gets asked me as a pastor, and many pastors have this question asked of them, I'm sure. The question was, do you think my friend, family member, is in the presence of God right now? And I, I can't answer that question. I, I cannot. I know what the Bible tells me. The Bible tells me that I need a personal savior and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and that no man comes to the Father but through him. And so I know this, that I must follow Jesus and I must follow his path and I must accept him as personal savior, that that is my way to salvation. But here is what I do believe. In that conversation, I had the conversation. I said, this is where I begin I begin with a God that I believe wants every one of his children to come and be with him. And I believe that. And I want you to know if you've been told that there is a God in heaven that is waiting so that you're going to get out of line just so they can crack you and put you back in your place and rough you up and they get joy out of your suffering or misery, you've got the wrong God in your head. I'm telling you without a shadow of a doubt, John 3.16 is a passage that everybody has quoted so many times. It says, God so loved the world. Remember the world. 
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever might believe in him would have life eternally. And then in chapter three, verse 17, immediately following that same verse that we've always quoted, it's such a powerful thing. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but instead that the world might be saved through him. God sent his son so that we might be saved, not just from sin, but also from a a pointless existence, from a fear of death that lays off in the distance that hangs over our head, that we don't know what will happen. When he spoke to his disciples and he shared John 3, 16 and 17 with us, we grasp that he is a father who loves us has done everything to prepare the way and prepare a home so that we might forever be with him. It's powerful. Don't get it twisted. Just make sure that you understand who God is. Because of some time, I wanna keep moving to what Jesus says, this third thing, this third thing that Jesus says, and I want us to take a look at that, that Jesus was leaving the earthly ministry, but the Holy Spirit would never leave his followers. That Jesus was leaving, but the Holy Spirit was not. He was coming to fill that void and fill that gap. And I don't know if you appreciate it as much as I do. I'm going to tell you something. I was a pastor's son, so I had to know all the right answers, all right? I had to know every answer to all of the questions and all these Bible questions, you know? And so they'd say, well, what about this and what about that? And, you know, back in my house, man, anytime that Jeopardy had the, 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 the thing that would say, this is the category, it's the Bible. I was like, man, I got these, you know? I, had, I knew all the answers because I'd grown up with it since before I could walk, Can I tell you something? That doesn't matter. (laughs) Does not matter. I love Thomas. Thomas is my guy. And I'll tell you why. Jesus says, well, I'm going away. And the way I'm going, you know. And the place that I'm going, you know. And everybody else is just sitting there going, "Uh, I don't know, but I don't want to say. I don't want to look like the idiot who doesn't know. I guess everybody else gets it, but I don't. And Thomas is like, uh, Lord, sorry to be the guy who says the wrong thing at the wrong time, but I don't know where you're going. How in the world could I possibly know the way to get where you're going if I don't even know where you're going? And I love that Jesus cares about Thomas, understands and gets Thomas. He doesn't crack on Thomas and say, man, what are you talking about? You should be more spiritual. You should have all the right answers. Can I give you some good news? You don't have to be the guy who has all the right answers for church. And in Bible study, you might be learning something brand new, every word that somebody else says. That does not matter. Not one bit, not one little bit. The beautiful thing is, is that if you are following the Lord, definitely grow in that grace, but don't be ashamed to ask the wrong question. One of his disciples who followed him for three and a half years Asked the wrong question and Jesus was like, come on, Thomas, let me explain it to you. I am the way. What you're looking for is not a physical place. It's here next to my side. I am your home. I'm home, Thomas. You found home. Just shift it from the physical to me. I am home. And this is a beautiful thing that Thomas might not know or grasp it, 
but we can understand in our hearts that that's what we need. We need that home that he alone can provide. And then Philip speaks, and, and one more time, someone says something that hurts Jesus a little bit, but he has a real conversation to answer a real question from a real questioning heart. Philip says, Lord, just show us the Father. It's going to be enough. You know, just show us the Father. It's going to be enough. Jesus is like, Philip, don't you get it and don't you understand everything that the Father wanted you to see and understand about him? I've shown it to you. Everything that he would have done if he had flesh on and walked with you all these three and a half years, everything that you've seen of me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's it. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So how now can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? He's clarifying it. He's saying, I'm gonna go to the Father, but just understand you've already seen every bit of the Father that you need. And can I just tell you, if you've never made him your king, your Lord, your savior, here is what I know. You've seen enough to know this man is not a man. He is the son of man. He is fully God, fully man, and he is fully capable of saving your soul and providing you an eternal home. But you have to receive that gift. You cannot just simply say, well, whatever happens, happens. No, you and I must bow the knee figuratively and say, you are what I need because I can't do it on my own. And by the way, here is the truth. The truth is, is that if there was a way that we could provide for our own, I don't think Jesus would have had to come. And so when he says, I am the way, the truth and the life, he tells us that he is the place that we can find forgiveness and nowhere else. And so, so many of us are out there looking for self-improvement to find our way to God. I'm here to tell you, self-improvement is nothing. It will do nothing for you. But instead, the way that you come to the Father is to say, I can't forgive myself. I can't grow beyond these things that hold me in chains. And we come to the Father and say, save me because I can't do it on my own. The truth is, is that he is not only your savior, but he is your destination and your home that you will have forever. And very quickly, let me just talk about what Jesus is saying this fourth thing that Jesus is saying. I tell you what, let's, let's go back just a little ways. We're going to go back just a little ways to the names for the Holy Spirit. Um, don't worry, there's a little change in our lighting situation here, but it probably is just a little problem with our internet that's coming back up. Our lights are connected to the internet. Here's what the names of the Holy Spirit are. Very quickly, just in John chapter 14. Just in John 14 alone, he says he is the advocate. The guy who is there next to us and working for us and working through us. He calls him the Holy Spirit on a couple of different occasions. But he also calls him the Spirit of Truth. And so in the midst of it all, we know and understand and grasp that Jesus is sending an advocate, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit to come and help us in the midst of our difficulties and whatever we face. Now here is what the spirit says he will do. It says that he will give us peace and reveal to us 
his own truth that Jesus has taught. And so very quickly, we see that Jesus says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this is so powerful for us in the midst of all that we face to know that he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Very quickly, what is Jesus saying? The fourth thing, he's saying no matter what, our home is where he is and he is preparing that place with you and I, with us in mind. He is preparing a place. I wanna share something, a couple of very personal stories as we end. And here's what I would share with you. The first is a picture. My dad just turned 80 and I had the honor and privilege of putting together a video for him of a bunch of pictures that kind of summarized a lot of things that he's experienced and done in his life. And this is a picture of my dad and his family. Now, if you look kind of from the back row, you'll see my granddaddy and then my granny, and then that's my dad up there on the right-hand side in the back. He's the oldest of the four kids. And then you got my uncle Roy, my aunt Barbara, and my uncle Ron. And this is probably, I'm guessing, when my dad was somewhere around 15 or 16 years old. And the picture of their family that eventually ended up splitting up. But it's an interesting thing because I want to go to this next slide. And in this next slide, you will see that actually those four that are in that box that are to the left, they've all passed. Out of the six of them, there's only two that are left, and that is my dad and his youngest brother, my Uncle Ron. Now, I want to click on to the next slide, and um, the lady there in the center is one of the most uh, influential people in my life. That's my granny. And as she got a little older and a little older and a little older, our conversations went a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper. And as we did, she used to tell me something that I found to be incredibly profound. She would tell me, she'd say, I have more waiting for me on the other side than I've got left here on this side. And I can't tell you exactly what she was saying because I don't grasp it all. But I know that when she was young and in that picture, she probably didn't talk about the other side nearly as much because your whole life's ahead of you and your body still works and everything that's supposed to hold holds and everything that's supposed to release releases and all of those other things, you know, and you can sleep all night and you can go all day and all of these things that you just think, well, I've got all of this time waiting in front of me and all these things to accomplish and all these things to do. But as you get a little older and have seen a few more things and the body doesn't work the way that it's supposed to at all times. And the more and the more people that you lose from this life, the more you start wishing for a home that can't be built by human hands. You start 
thinking about who's waiting for you on the other side and not just who you have left here on this side. Because I believe with all of my heart that the main thing that Jesus came to do was to forgive us and cleanse us and wash us to be the savior of the world. And in the process, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You trust in God, you can trust me as well. Just know that I'm going to prepare a place for you and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna take you to myself that where I am, we'll be together forever. It is a beautiful thing. Here is how you apply this message. Just very quickly, let me share with you. Here's how you apply this message. You first of all, accept him as savior. If you have not, today is your day. Accept the Lord. Accept the Lord as savior so that you will have that home forever that is waiting for you and eternally you will be with the one who has loved you enough to die for you. It is a beautiful thing. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, when I was young, I used to worry all the time. I used to lay in bed at night wondering what would happen if I didn't wake up. Well, here's the truth. Ever since I've known the Lord as Savior, I understand that if I don't wake up tomorrow or if something terrible happens to me today, that immediately I will be in the presence of the one who loves me. And finally and perfectly and totally, I will reach home. If you've already accepted him in this way, I mentioned a little earlier the idea of understanding the message in the midst of the mess maybe you have started to reorder your priorities in your life. <laughs> it's a funny thing. This whole world has been paused for us in some strange and never before seen ways. And God can speak to you with a message even in the midst of the mess. Do your best to reorder your life in a way that puts the most important things back at the top of your list. Because you probably are like me, the further and faster that I go, the more things get out of order and out of sorts. And I begin to prioritize the wrong things and deprioritize those things which mean and actually matter the most. So this is how you apply this message. You accept him, or you reorder your life in a way that puts him back at the top. You do that, everything else falls in line. It's a beautiful thing. Now, very quickly, here's what I would share with you. <laughs> I, I wanna tell you a story and it's a personal story. One that if they are watching today, they know who they are. I, I served in hospice. I talked about this just a couple of weeks back as I spoke about the, the, um, the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. This particular thing that I memorized from the King James Version that I told you about, I used to use that and speak to people as they were dealing with you know, the end of life kind of scenario in their own life. And it was an interesting thing. I served a man who I came to love and I came to love very much his family. He was an oil executive. He owned and flew his own plane. I mean, 
sharp as a tack. I mean, just an incredible man, an incredible man of faith and an incredible life that was lived. And I can't understand, nor can I explain why, but as he began to near the very end of his life, his mind began to slip into dementia. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And to see it up close and personally is difficult because you don't ever know what's reaching and what's getting through because it's not the same anymore. But I would go in and I would speak to this particular man and he would lay there and he would just have a vacant stare on his face. But I began to do this. Let not your heart be troubled. And then I would wait. And he would say, you believe in God, believe also in me. And then I'd say, in my father's house are many mansions. And then I'd wait. And he'd say, if it were not so, I would have told you. His face never changed. He didn't have this great dawning. But I'm here to tell you that a man who did not realize that he had already lost a son and did not remember his son's name somewhere in the fog of his mind reaching out from it. I think he knew something about home. And as we would quote John chapter 14 verses one through six and end with, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There would be just this little glimmer of understanding that in his heart of hearts, he had not lost nor left the home that he had in his Savior. I can't even put it into words, but maybe you can grasp and understand what a beautiful thing it was. I shared with his family what I had experienced on numerous different occasions. Of course, they cried. They said that was always dad. He knew the scriptures. He, he loved the scriptures. And I was honored at the eventual funeral and memorial service to read from John chapter 14, verse one through six. And I read that just as we had often quoted it together. I think what he had found is what we are all seeking. And that is just this, that our home is not a place nearly as much as it is the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives us, provides for us, prepares for us a home. And if you've never had a home before, I'm here to tell you, you have one with your Savior. Don't miss it. Heavenly Father, as we end our time together around your word, which is our mainstay and our anchor in the midst of all that we're facing in our crazy world that's happening right now around us, let not our hearts be troubled. May we trust in you the way that you know you can lead us through. Lord, may we put all of our faith and find comfort in your peace and your presence. And God, today, as we 
Look at your word, and as you declare yourself to be the way, the truth, and the life, may we know that our past has been redeemed, our present has a purpose, and that our future will be with you. And dear God, we praise you and glorify you for all of these promises that we accept, not because we are faithful, but because you are faithful. And God, thank you for telling us who you are, showing us who you are, and Lord, in your own words, revealing your character. And dear Lord, thank you and praise you for all that you've done to remove any obstacle that keeps us from you. We accept you and we reorder our lives according to you. In Jesus' wonderful and mighty and strong name we pray, amen. Guys, thanks so much for your time and for your attention. I'd love to hear from you. So uh, text me if you can. Make sure and check your, uh, your email. That'll give us ways to keep on connecting. And maybe I can see some of your beautiful faces this coming Wednesday night as we study a little deeper in the book of John. And uh, man, you guys be safe out there and know that you have a home. All right? So God bless you. And we're going to end the way that we always do. We just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Love you guys.